Hello, how are you? Welcome to the Kate Languages Summer 2023 Replay Series. <laughs> this summer, between seasons four and five, I'm re-releasing some of my favourite ever podcast episodes that I think are well worth a re-listen. From my top tips for saving time to classroom management, the new GCSE and teacher wellbeing and burnout via some of the best conversations I've had over the past few years with some absolutely incredible educators. I hope you enjoy listening to these episodes again and get lots of great ideas and inspiration from them. Bonjour, buenos dias, guten tag, hello, hi. Uh, This is the Kate Languages podcast and this is the fourth of my CPD podcast episodes. Um, The first one I did was um, about using GCSE style activities at Key Stage 3. The second one was about teacher wellbeing and burnout. And then in August, um, I recorded one which was five tips for improving or maintaining your language skills as an MFL teacher. Um, And on that note, actually, uh, recording this in October 2021, Um, I have just opened registration for the next block of online lessons for languages teachers. So these are the um, online lessons that I provide in French, German and Spanish, uh, various different levels from beginner to advanced, um, specifically designed for MFL teachers. Um, So if you find yourself needing to teach a new language or you want to improve one of your languages, if perhaps you did an A-level, I don't know, 10 years ago and you're thinking, oh, I just need a bit of refreshing um, or whatever. Um, so yeah, we've got loads and loads and loads of people learning languages with us at the moment and I've got some amazing tutors who are helping me to be able to deliver all of these different uh, languages and levels. So yeah, if you want to sign up to that, it's uh, on my website, katelanguages.co.uk forward slash courses which is also, incidentally, where you'll find all my um, pre-recorded lessons. So if you can't actually join us at a specific time, but you would like to brush up on your language skills, um, then I've got a growing bank of pre-recorded lessons on my website as well. Again, in French, German and Spanish. Um, Okay, so (laughs) that's enough of me just like telling you all about all my things you can buy on my website. Um, For now, I will crack on with this podcast episode. So today, um, I'm going to be talking about kind of classroom management, behaviour management, sort of creating a nice atmosphere in your classroom, that kind of thing. Um, I'll just say right now, if you're expecting me to tell you to not smile before Christmas or to shout at children, Oh, like I was told when I was training to have a massive go at a year seven kid so that all the rest of the class would be scared of me. Not nice. Oh, that's not me. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to be telling you those kind of things. What I'm actually going to be doing um, is talking to you about, uh, well, I'd like to call it classroom management Danish style. Um, so I, as many of you know, I have a toddler at the time of recording who's about 19 months, nearly 20 months. Um, and so I'm really quite interested in, um, like child development, I don't know, toddlers at the moment. Um, I'm really interested in various different styles of, uh, parenting. And I just think a lot of this can be related to the classroom as well. 
So I read a book recently called um, The Danish Way of Parenting. It is by Jessica Joel Alexander and Eben Dissing Sandal. Um, and it's, I mean, if you're a parent, I would highly recommend it. Um, but as I, I'm going to talk through today, um, you can you can see that it is, um, I, don't know, I, I just think it, it, it could be really, really useful for classroom management as well. Um, I'd be really interested to know, actually, from people um, who do listen to this, how many of these types of things you already incorporate into your classroom. Um, I think some of it is going to seem fairly kind of idealistic, and I'm sure there'll be people who will think, oh, well, I can't do that because my classes don't listen, and they're all so badly behaved, and they only pay attention when I yell at them and things like that, and I totally get that. I have totally been there, and it's so hard because I think it's part of a a school's ethos and just general way of being. Um, personally, I feel like if you're in a school where the only thing you can do to get the children's attention is to yell your head off at them, there's maybe something wrong with the school's ethos. And maybe if you don't enjoy yelling your head off at children, then I don't know. I mean, maybe it's not the right place for you. Anyway, I'm going to work through, talk through, um, basically, kind of what the, what this book talks about, um, and how you can apply that to uh, the classroom. So, it, th this is all my my ideas and my opinion, um, and I'd be really, really interested, as I said, to to kind of hear from you. Um, okay, so they actually use the acronym Parent, which is quite handy, um, and I'm going to talk through each of the letters. So P is for play, A is for authenticity, R is for reframing, E is for empathy, N is for no ultimatums, and T is for togetherness and hygge, um, which is a lovely Danish thing uh, about being nice and cosy, basically. And I apologise if I haven't pronounced it right. Um, so we're going to start with play. So the kind of play that they're talking about um, in this book is free play. Now, I understand that you can't take your children out of the classroom and get them to go and play in a playground and climb on climbing frames and stuff. It's not about that. Um, but I also don't think that the play that we're talking about here is necessarily structured competitive games either. So I'm a massive fan of games in the classroom, I have to say, and I think... A bit of friendly competition is great for motivation. So I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. What we're talking about here, as I say, is the idea of free play. So research shows that free play teaches children to be less anxious and it teaches them resilience. Okay. What they say in the book is that Danish parents try not to intervene too much and they trust their children to be able to do and try new things and give them space to build their own trust in themselves. So that's a direct quote from the book there. Okay, so what on earth does that mean for creating lessons and classroom management? And so in classroom management, I'm talking about creating an atmosphere in a class where this kind of thing can happen. So I'm thinking of activities where they can be a bit freer, where they can use their imagination, okay? So in languages, 
Um, it's very easy to just say, right, you need to learn this ten list, this list of ten words, right? And these are the ones that you're going to use. And I don't care what your hobbies are. I just want you to learn these ten hobbies, and therefore, like, you know, and and that's it. Maybe giving them a bit of freedom and being able to use their imagination a bit more, you can say to them, okay. I want you to research and explore and find out what are, you know, other interesting things. What would you like to talk about? What would you like to say? And get them to actually push the boundaries a little bit, push themselves out of their comfort zone to try and find new words, different words, things that are a bit more complicated. Um, and using language, it's a bit more complex. Maybe trying to find a word that's really hard to pronounce and then you know, pushing themselves to be able to pronounce this word really, really well. I don't. I mean, the, the possibilities honestly are endless. Um, I think as well, it, it, this can be using puzzles. So again, it's something that's challenging, that's difficult. Um, it pushes them a little bit out of their comfort zone. But the important thing as well that they do say in the book, and that I do think is absolutely vital if you're going to be a good teacher, and if and if you're going to maintain a good positive working environment in your classroom is that you provide them with scaffolding and I think this is a really obvious thing to say isn't it for hopefully for, for most trained teachers um, they say if they feel too pressured they can lose the joy in what they're doing and this can lead to fear and anxiety so you're not pushing them so far that they feel fear and anxiety but you're helping them to push themselves a little bit out of their comfort zone, but you're scaffolding and you are helping them to do so. One of the really important things uh, with this as well is that they make mistakes. And it's okay if they make mistakes, it really doesn't matter. Mary Myatt talks about this kind of thing a lot in her amazing book um, called The Cur Curriculum, uh, Gallimoff. Gallimoffrey, Gallimoffrey, I've never, I don't know how to pronounce that, um, to coherence. Um, so yeah, I would 100% recommend that book as well. Um, so she talks about high challenge, low stakes, and she talks about being able to make mistakes, but you create an atmosphere in which, as I keep saying, they can push their boundaries, they can challenge themselves, but they, and they can make mistakes, but it's okay. And they don't get in trouble if they make mistakes and nobody laughs and nobody you know, thinks that they're stupid. That's all part of learning. And they see the mistake making as part of the learning. Okay, so that's P for play. A for authenticity. So this is a really interesting one as well. Um, I think sometimes as a teacher, it's really hard to be authentic and it's really hard to admit if you don't know something. I think that's one of the most important things that you can do, especially as a languages teacher, um, because you don't know all the words. And sometimes kids have said to me, oh, what's blah, blah, blah in French? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And they say, well, don't you know all the words? And I'm like, do you know all the words in English? No, you can't possibly know all the words. So it's fine if you don't know the words and you show them you don't know it and you show them where to find it. Um, and yeah, so there are a couple of facets to authenticity. One is being honest. Um, and that includes emotional honesty. I'm not saying that you go into the classroom and like, oh my God, I had a massive row with my husband last night. It's a nightmare. Oh, I feel terrible. Like that is not appropriate for a classroom, obviously. But that you are emotionally honest with them. And if you're getting to the end of term and you're knackered and you just say to them, do you know what, guys? I'm really tired. Are you guys tired? I'm tired. Oh, okay. Let's do the best we can, even though we're feeling a bit tired. You know, it doesn't matter. Like you're a human. 
And I think, I think especially, I mean, I've, you know, speaking from experience, when you're a newer teacher as well, I think sometimes you're really scared of like um, admitting that you're tired or that you're fed up or that you're in a bit of a bad mood or whatever. Um, things that they might find quite interesting, that they might enjoy using examples from your childhood to tell them. So, you know, if you're doing, say, the past tense in, in Spanish and you're like, oh, I remember when I was at school and I was learning this and um, I found it really hard or I really loved this song that my teacher taught me. I was like, you know, just kind of bring in how you learnt it. How did you do it yourselves? Um, another thing about authenticity is allowing them to have emotions. And I think this is a really, really difficult one because we just want everyone to come in and be happy and quiet when they need to be and talk when they need to and almost, you know, kind of perform like little robots. And we have to really be aware that just as we have emotions and, you know, days where we feel rubbish and days where we feel great, every single child in the class is going to have the same. Now, again, I'm not saying you allow children to shout at each other and hit each other and things like that. Obviously, there have to be those kind of boundaries. But if a kid's having an off day and they're sulking a bit or if they're just in a bit of a grump or they just don't really feel like doing any work, you allow them to have those feelings. And perhaps at an appropriate time, you say to them, I can see that you're not feeling too great today. Is everything all right? And if they don't want to talk, you just go, move, move, move. And you say, okay, fine. You don't want to talk to me. That's absolutely fine. Um, you know, but I just, I just wanted to say, I, I, I can see you're not feeling too great today. And that's all right. That's okay. Um, for them to feel seen, I think particularly... Oh gosh, I was going to say difficult children. Children who some people label as difficult can often have big, big, big emotions and they don't know how to deal with them. And I think just recognising as an adult in their lives, just recognising that they have these big emotions um, and that you still like them, even when they're grumpy, even when, you know, they're sulking or whatever. Um, it doesn't mean you you dislike them because they're having a bad day. I think that kind of thing is really, really important and it will help you to build relationships. And again, it helps the class look, classroom management. When you have good relationships with your kids, that's the best kind of behaviour management, classroom management you can have. And again, even with the best relationships sometimes, um, you will, you'll have bad days. I remember one of my tutees telling me to F off and most of the time we got on pretty well. One day she was just in a really, really bad mood and told me to F off. Um, so, yeah, I mean, she was she was suspended for a few days. Don't worry. Um, other things. Ah, okay. So the other facet of authenticity is praise. It's so easy to praise children for achieving things. And one of the, the things that um, they talk about in, in the Danish way of parenting and one of the things that I'm trying to learn about and I think this is related to growth mindset as well so if you're aware of um, Carol Dweck I think isn't it um, and her work on growth mindset the best kind of praise that you can give is process praise so you are praising the effort you are praising perseverance strategies you are praising them for having a go and getting something wrong and that might really go against the grade it might really go against like 
what comes naturally and I have to say you know as I say I, I have a toddler and I, I am trying so hard to focus on his effort and perseverance um, so I keep saying to him things like oh you've been practicing that really really hard haven't you and you can't quite do it yet but you're practicing and you're learning and you know I mean he doesn't understand but it's it's me kind of getting into the the mindset of praising him for practicing and learning I keep using words practicing and learning oh you've been practicing so hard you're learning to do this and you're you know um but also don't over praise kids know when you're not being authentic when it comes to praise seriously they absolutely know yeah <laughs> and then if you constantly praise you're like, oh well done for writing the date in your book they'll be like oh Christ's sake um so yeah that, that's one to be aware of um and the last thing in terms of authenticity and praise and things like that is not to compare students with other students especially if you teach their sibling never compare a kid with their sibling honestly it's the worst thing teachers can do um, my sister and I had that when we were at school and it's just it's just not right like it's not you know siblings are completely different people um, but yeah, not comparing kids in the class. Oh, why haven't you done this? So-and-so over there has done it. Well, they don't care what so-and-so over there has done. They care about what they're doing and how they're feeling that day, you know, and, and that kind of thing. Okay, so that's play, play, play and authenticity. R, out of P-A-R-E-N-T, parent, R is for reframing. Um, and they call this realistic optimism, which I quite like. Um, so it's not toxic positivity. Um, it's not ignoring feelings um, and saying, oh, you know, oh, don't be silly. Um, oh, you're fine, blah, 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 blah. It's reframing negative ideas and negative um, mindsets to something more positive and optimistic. Um, so avoiding limiting language. So if a kid says, oh, I'm crap at French, or I'm not very good at French, um, it's, it's changing that around and, and reframing the language that you use. So instead of saying, I'm bad at French, um, you can, you know, saying, I'm trying to get better at French. I'm trying to learn more vocabulary or something like that. And again, as a teacher, you need to be, you need to avoid this kind of limiting language. So looking at such one person and saying, she's really chatty or he's really argumentative or something like that and reframing it. So, yeah. This kid argues back with you, but what does that mean? Does it mean they're passionate? They're good at defending themselves. They're good at um, maybe defending other people in the class. If someone's stubborn, um, what's the positive aspect of that? Does it mean that they're a really hard worker and they don't give up and they will persevere until they've learned something, until they've achieved something? Um, so, yeah, and say those kind of things to the children as well you know say oh I can see that you're you know you're the kind of person that really sticks at things and you and you really do keep persevering and I've seen that uh, you know with the learning Spanish future tense recently that you really really stuck with this and and I think you're doing really really well learning it something like that um another way that you can reframe negative um 
you know, negative interactions or uh, when children are being negative in the classroom is to use a bit of humour. And again, this is quite hard. And I think maybe you need, kind of need to get to know the kids a little bit before this. I wouldn't say like, do it with <laughs> the first lesson you have with them. I don't know. Maybe you can. Depends on the kids. Um, but also don't do it in a way that you're being sarcastic or taking the mickey either. So it is quite a balance here. And I think as an adult, you need to be really quite emotionally mature to be able to do this. Um, so I thought of an example um, where a kid has said, says, for, I don't know, um, oh, I've done really badly on my German test. Uh, and the teacher could say, oh, did you accidentally write it in French? Um, and the kid could say, ha, oh, no, ha, oh, ha, oh, no. I wrote most of it in German, but I did write some words in English. So the teacher could say, oh, right. So there's some words you didn't know in German then. Mm -hmm. And then the kid could say, yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm, there's so many words. I I'll never learn them all. And the teacher can say, okay, maybe you won't learn all of the words. You can't eat a dictionary for breakfast every day or, I don't know, you know, something funny like, well, it's not very funny, but whatever. <laughs> um, okay, so you can't learn all the German words. At least you didn't write anything in French. All right, well, that's quite good. What are you going to be able to do to try to learn more words for the next test? Um, and then the kid could come up with some some ideas. So you've completely reframed them just going, oh, rubbish at German, I've done really badly in my test, to making a bit of a joke about it. Oh, well, at least didn't write anything in, in French. Um, and then trying to find a solution. Okay, again, I'm not totally stupid. I, I do understand that you have 30 children in your class and you cannot have this conversation with every single kid in the class. But it's just when you approach a negative situation with a little bit of humor and a bit of reframing what it means is that you you know you're kind of lightening the situation you're not escalating it and hopefully you're making the kid feel better so even if it just takes a few seconds um, and the more you do it the more you get into the practice of doing that you will create an atmosphere in your classroom that is positive and encouraging and that can only be a good thing um, in my opinion Okay, so that's reframing. So avoiding limiting language, reframing things with humour, but acknowledging and accepting their emotions. So not gaslighting or uh, making them feel stupid for having certain emotions. Being very, very clear, all emotions are valid. If you feel a certain way, you feel that way. You know, there's nothing, it's not, it's not stupid to feel a certain way. And then just explore with them why they feel that way. So the E in parent is for empathy um, and again this is something that as an adult you can work on your own empathy but also something to build within the classroom um, and I think this is particularly important in foreign language lessons because it is a really really scary thing to speak a foreign language it's terrifying especially like I was lucky I used to go to foreign countries and like my mum would make me speak to foreign people and it was embarrassing and it was difficult but I understood that that was something that people did and you but if you've never been to another country you don't have any concept of speaking a foreign language and then suddenly someone's telling you to say sentences in French how scary is that it's terrifying so you as a language learner language teacher, sorry, need to, and any kind of teacher, uh, need to have um, a lot of empathy for your students. And interestingly, I'm selling my courses again, but one of the things that a lot of the teachers 
who are on my language online courses for, for MFL teachers have said it makes them more empathetic because they are learning a new language again. Or they're in a position where they're they're the learner, they kind of put themselves in that position and it's made them much more empathetic um, and understand like, oh yeah, it's actually really quite difficult and scary. Um, so there you go, that's a simple way of doing it. Come and learn languages with me. Um, and yeah, part of empathy as well, it, and I've, t- I've talked about this with some of the other ones, is acknowledging emotions, naming emotions, noticing emo- emotions and things like that. Um, you can't get away from the fact that the people in your classroom are human beings with emotions. And I think that some people might be listening to this thinking, oh, for God's sake, how is this going to help my classroom management? But I think it is. I think you having the empathy of realising these are human beings and they have lives outside of the and at one hour or 45 minutes or an hour and a half or however long they spend in your classroom they have lives outside of that and some of their lives might be pretty blooming awful most of them are probably absolutely fine but they could all you know still be having a bad day so it's just again reframing things so um examining reasons for quote-unquote bad behavior you know um and working out solutions for it. And as I was reading this and thinking, preparing to for this podcast episode, I was thinking about a lovely girl who I taught, oh God, I don't know, eight years ago maybe. Um, she was in year 11 at the time. And yeah, she was generally just really lovely and really sweet. And one day she was just really stroppy and just like shouted at me for something. And it was it was a very strange situation. I think, you know, I probably told her off and told her to come and see me again. Um, after the lesson or something like that. Anyway, kind of just let, you know, let it go for the remainder of that lesson. And then she came to me afterwards and apologised. And I think basically she was on her period or she was she was feeling a bit emotional or, you know, so, something like that. Um, and we worked it out, you know, and it, the, you, you just got to realise like, yeah, and teenagers have a lot of hormones. Um one of the other things they talk about to do with empathy, actually, as well as reading. Reading can really increase empathy. So if you have the opportunity to read, um, and I think as well in languages, learning about people from other countries and learning about their real lives um, is definitely the kind of thing that can increase empathy. And just that realisation that just because something's different, it doesn't mean it's stupid. Um, and personally, I think that's one of the most important roles that we have as languages teachers is just because it's different doesn't mean it's stupid. Um, so, yeah, so that's empathy. So your own empathy, but also ways of increasing empathy amongst your students. Um, so, again, no- noticing and identifying emotions, reading, learning about other people's lives and being empathetic yourself and modelling that empathy with your children, with the, with the classes. Okay, uh, on to number five, no ultimatums. I think this is so powerful and so difficult. So it's not like, if you do this, then blah, blah, blah will happen. Or, you you know, you either do this or blah, blah, blah. It's, it's avoiding that. And actually, what's really, really interesting in this section of the book, they talk about what they do in Danish schools. Apparently... In Danish schools, teachers and students create rules together at the beginning of the year. 
and they decide um, what the consequences will be for breaking these rules and they mention um, in one of the classes how every time somebody was getting too noisy or shouting out too much or something like that the whole class had to stand up and clap their hands three times and walk around the room or something like that <laughs> how annoying would that be so if there's some kid in your class who's like constantly shouting out and you're like oh man when you stop doing this every time you do we've got to stand up and clap our hands and walk around the room and it's so disruptive and just so annoying um, and I think that's brilliant I think that that's really, really great. And I and I don't think there's anything wrong with taking some time at the beginning of the year to talk to each of your classes. And I know as secondary school teachers, you might have like 20 classes. I fully get that. But to give them some ownership and autonomy and to say, right, what are the things that you think are going to make this a good, successful, positive experience for everybody? Uh, let's put it all down. Right, what's going to happen if we don't follow this and I know you have you know you'll have certain protocols to follow and certain behavior whatever punishment and blah 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 um and I think a lot of what I'm talking about is preventing these situations from occurring so that you don't have to worry about you know setting detentions and doing all these millions of things that's basically creating more work for you um so yeah and when it comes to no so the idea of no ultimatums is um to do with being authoritative i get these muddled up it's really important authoritative rather than authoritarian so an authoritarian teacher or parent or person is demanding not responsive so not responding to children's um, feelings and emotions and basically just you know I don't know, expect them to be little robots demanding obedience and a, a typical response when a kid says why do I have to do this because I said so that's authoritarian some people love being authoritarian they think that it works they think the only way of getting kids to do what they want is to make them scared of them I remember from school I might have worked for teachers who I was scared of, but I hated their lessons. I hated the classroom and I probably didn't work as well as I would have done um, for people who I got on with um, and who I felt actually respected us and cared about us. And, you know, so authoritative, on the other hand, you have high expectations. This is the thing. You're not just like letting them run riot. You know, you have high expectations but you are responsive and supportive. You respond to questions about rules. So if a kid is questioning your rules, you don't say, because I said so. You say, you know, okay, let's talk about this. Why do you think it is like this? Um, so I think the, the key thing here is to avoid yelling or losing control and not creating an atmosphere of fear in your classroom um as i said a lot of teachers seem to that seems to be their bread and butter just shouting their heads off and losing control and it's exhausting for you like i have to say i've been that teacher i'm i'm not saying i'm absolutely perfect um <laughs> by no stretch of the imagination i've been that teacher where i have shouted and i have given ultimatums and i have said oh if you don't do this i'm going to contact your parents or i'm going to you know, you're going to have this whatever punishment and detentions and blah, blah, blah. 
and genuinely it doesn't work. It makes you tired. It makes you fed up. I used to hate my teaching persona because I was just like, this is just not me. Again, to go back to the A for authenticity, I didn't feel authentic. I felt like, oh, I was just this whinging, nagging old woman. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so you're not so you're not creating an atmosphere of fear. You're creating an atmosphere where you're supportive, responsive, but you have high expectations. You're not letting them run right and do what they want. Um, so as I was saying, it's about avoiding problems rather than punishment um, and avoiding power struggles. So don't think I need to win this against, it's not me against the students. I need, it needs to be a win-win situa situation that both of you feel, or you know, the class and you and everybody feels at the end of the day, you've all won and you're all happy. Um, and just making sure that you're listening to what they're saying. So part of being authoritative is responding. So if a kid says, oh, God, I hate doing homework. Oh, why do we have to do homework? And instead of saying, well, because you have to, because that's what the school says, or because I say so, you can respond by saying, I, can, I hear that. I hear that you don't like doing homework. Um, and I totally understand it. However, this is something we need to do as part of your learning, it helps your learning. Um, what can we do to make it easier for you to make sure that you can complete your homework? And then try to come up with solutions. Do you want to come and see me before school? Can you come before school? Can you stay after school and we'll work on your homework together? And I know that's not an ideal situation for you, but at the end of the day, you're probably going to be giving this kid <laughs> detention if they don't do the homework. So you might as well just say, right, come and, come and see me at break or come and see me after school for 10 minutes and we'll sit and we'll work through your homework together. Um, I mean, with things like that as well, again, this is kind of going back to empathy. Remember, it's not always possible for kids to do homework at home. So coming up with solutions and just letting, and even if they say, oh, no, it's fine, I can do it at home. Oh, I just don't like doing it. At least they have felt heard that you've said, okay, I get it. I understand you don't like homework. I'd really like to help you with this. Um, all right, the last one is togetherness and hygge. Well, I don't know how to pronounce that. Hopefully that's correct. So you might have heard of the Danish concept of hygge. It's, um, and I think this probably applies more to families, but there's no reason why you can't have a cosy atmosphere in your classroom. I mean, you're not going to be able to light candles and you're not going to be able to sit around an open fire with blankets in a classroom, obviously. But you just need, the, the students need to feel when they walk into your room, they need to feel that it's cosy, comfortable. It's not overcomplicated. If you think of Danish and like Scandinavian architecture and stuff, it's all quite simple and straightforward. It's not cluttered. It's, you know, that it's just, yeah, it, it's just nice and and simple. Um I, I was chatting to my mum, my who, used, funnily enough, was a languages teacher, um, uh, about this. And she said one of the best compliments she ever had from a parent was um, the parent said, my daughter always says she feels really cosy in your class. And I just thought, oh, what a lovely thing to be told. Love that. And again, especially with language learning, because it's so scary. You need to feel safe and cosy and comfortable. So ways in which you can do that. Um, one of the key things is what they talk about in the book as well, is putting yourself aside for the benefit of the whole. So you're actually thinking of the team, of the class, above and beyond your own personal problems and, and things like that. So as I said, yeah, you're not all going to be in a great mood every single day. 
and you need to acknowledge feelings and emotions, but you need to create an atmosphere where people don't act out on these emotions. They put them aside as best they can to try and make sure that everybody else feels happy and comfortable. I'm not saying any of these things are easy, by the way. These things take years to... Um, to become second nature it's not something that you're you're going to go right I'm going to go into my classroom tomorrow and I'm going to do this but it's something that you build up gradually and again it's, it's just all about relationships um and I think a way of, of doing this is to do things like group projects so again according to the book in Denmark they do loads of group projects um in school group projects can be an absolute nightmare I'm fully aware of this however when they are planned well when you are open and honest in your class with children about you know what their strengths are maybe what their weaknesses are what how how can they create a group where they've got people who've got different strengths and weaknesses and they can all you know work together to create a really good um group project um creating team feeling things like that one of the key things I get is singing now I know a lot of people won't feel comfortable singing in the classroom I'm not sure I ever really have done that much but then I was I, what I was thinking to do with this so is you could have like a class song so a foreign language song that you have maybe I don't know done with them one lesson or that you've introduced them to and that can be your kind of like class song and then if you you know at the end of the lesson you can say all right as we're packing everything away let's put our class song on or even at the beginning as they're coming in and just you know so they're like oh this is our class this is our song this is and it just creates that feeling of togetherness you don't actually necessarily have to sing with with the children if you don't feel comfortable um and you know making sure you're you know as a team as a group, you are respecting the physical space of the classroom as well. Um, so you, you know, so everybody in the class is responsible for making sure that the classroom is lovely and tidy um, and orderly before anybody leaves. Um, I remember in the last school I worked at, the cleaner often would come into my classroom at the end of the day and say, "Oh, have you not been teaching in here today?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, I've had five lessons," and she'd say. But it's so tidy. And I was really like, yeah, because the kids tidy up before they leave the lesson. <laughs> like, I, you know, I mean, to me, it just seemed really normal. And it was fine. And like, they don't, I mean, a couple of them would complain a bit, I guess. But you just get one to walk around with the bin, um, you know, another one to tidy up the I don't know, whiteboard pens and this, that and the other. And yeah, you just like tidy up together so I don't know it's always something that I've done and I think it's a really important thing for students to do um but yeah that that kind of thing so that everybody feels ownership over the physical space of the classroom and that they want it to be clean and tidy and um, not an absolute mess okay so to summarize the acronym parent I'll go through one key key idea from each one See if I could do this really quickly. So play, giving them free play, a chance to explore, make mistakes, learn from their mistakes. Authenticity, you need to praise their process. So again, if they make a mistake and they learn from it, you praise that. Praise a mistake. It sounds weird, but it helps build resilience. Reframing, 
using realistic optimism, not ignoring their emotions or gaslighting. And if, but you're avoiding using limiting language. So instead of saying, oh, oh, this kid is rubbish at French, focus on this kid works really hard and tries hard to learn vocabulary. Empathy, your own empathy. Put yourselves in the shoes of language learners by, I don't know, signing up to language classes, for example. Um, but also getting the students to increase their own empathy of each other through reading, um, things like that. No ultimatums. Work through with your class um, what the rules could be for your classroom. Try to be authoritative, which means you have high expectations, but you are responsive and supportive, and you listen to them, you hear their grievances instead of ignoring them and telling them, ugh, just do it because I told you to. And lastly, togetherness and hygge, creating a cosy, comfortable atmosphere in the classroom, putting yourself aside for the benefit of the whole and doing activities that build a team, foster team feeling and keep the classroom nice and clean and tidy. This by no means is the only way of doing things and I know that people are going to be in schools where behaviour is very very challenging and this feels like an absolutely impossible task. Um, I would absolutely love to have some feedback on um, what you think about this. I'm sure there'll be people who are listening to this and just saying, oh, okay, this is ridiculous, you're living in some kind of like fantasy land. And then there'll be other people who will think, oh, I do need of these things. And actually, yeah, it does create a really lovely atmosphere in the classroom. And um, this is how I, I create a nice group feeling and manage behaviour amongst my young people. Um, so yeah, get in touch. Uh, I'm at Kate Languages on I was going to say all the socials, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. I'm old. I don't do things like TikTok and Snapchat. Or what, I don't even know what these things are. Um, so yeah, at Kate Languages on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Um, email kate at katelanguages.co.uk. Um, and yeah, let me know what you think. I'd be so, so, so interested uh, to get your opinions. And what are your best tips for creating positive uh, classroom ambiance i shall finish with a nice little french word there <laughs> uh, and on that note à tout à l'heure au revoir bye